1: Today, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au
2: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.
0: bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer.
2: Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet.
0: Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call one 858 858
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith.
3: Moraine in New Zealand, good morning to uh, all of you. Uh, busy, busy between now and the time we hand over to Mark Stafford. We're going to be speaking to Scott Robertson, Adam Blair, Brad Moore, Sam Ackerman, Richard Nola, Louis Herman Watt, Paul Moati, Dave Worsley, Michael Guerin, and hopefully you as well, if you want to join in the show. It is going to be a very, very busy, but chock full of quality, Friday morning.
1: What is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon.
3: So, all going well this Sunday morning, I'll be teeing it up at Bridge Power with three of my so-called mates, the General, Lager Lance and Dugout. If it's at all frosty, we won't be allowed to start for the fear of damaging the greens, so please pray for us and for favourable conditions. I'll ride in the General's cart because we are out of shape, fat and lazy. The other two, Lager Lance and Dugout, are pure athletes and will stride the fairways with purpose. We'll chuck the balls up in the air on the first tee to determine partners, and then we'll go at it for 10, 10 and 20. It will be fierce for three and a half hours, chock full of insulting banter and sledging. There'll be military golf, left, right, left, right, as we go from tee to green 18 times. That's providing all the holes are open because they've been cutting down trees in the neighbouring paddocks, and I say we have to be careful. I'm battling a mild case of the yips at the moment, so there will be three putts. So there could be putter throwing. Hopefully the Hawks Bay Sun will be out as we sit on the deck after battle to sup the spoils. There'll be more banter, more abuse, more excuses, and for two of us at least, there'll be serious complaints about the handicapping system. We won't be playing for a million bucks, the other three could, I couldn't. We won't be playing for our tour card or our playing future. And when we're done, we can go home or even go out to lunch. I should say at this point, I'm not saying this to make you level four as terse, surly, or jealous, or you, Izzy, with your broken shank, I'm really, in an extremely roundabout way, thinking of Ryan Fox, one of many of our frustrated superstars overseas. You see, this weekend, Foxy is playing for a million bucks. Foxy is playing for his tour card, his right to continue, but win, lose, or draw, Foxy can't come home. Foxy continues to fly our flag overseas, he's a proud Kiwi, I know where he gets it from, Foxy represented us at the Olympics again. Foxy should be allowed to come home. Find him a spot. Surely he can make the cut here.
4: Flies it across to Blair. Now can the new young Test fullback win it for New Zealand in the last seconds? And it is going to be a try made by Blair for Razor Robertson. Twenty-two to twenty. Contepomi's kick did not find the line. Mertens backed himself. He gave it to the new young man, Ben Blair. Flashed it onto Razor Robertson and. Scott Robertson
3: scored it. Great memories for Crusaders coach Scott Robertson, All Black, number 974. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, that match-winning trial was scored against the Pumas uh, for our first guest this morning, uh, Razor Robertson. Uh, now, of course, the Crusaders coach for you. Uh, that might bring back a, a few fond memories. Uh, good morning, Razor.
5: Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Kia ora. Um, yeah, that's actually one of the few flashbacks as that was playing. I uh, remember that part fondly. It was the end of a long tour. Jeez, we had a long season. I think I played 32 games myself personally that year. It was my, one of my best and... Uh, I remember getting that ball in the chest. I actually wasn't supposed to be there. I sort of tripped off off the back of the line. I was supposed to be in the middle of the field. <laughs> but it ended up being the right place. I caught the ball. Yeah.
3: So, outstanding. Um, and, of course, a very physical encounter against Argentina and uh, the All Blacks uh, run into that again this weekend. Uh, you won't be expecting anything less than physicality, would you?
5: Uh, not at all. Look, I've fresh, I've been, uh, been in uh, quarantine or a camp after a you know, a couple of big games against South Africa, and they've got their full squad. You know, one great thing about the Argentinians are they're, they're so loyal to their national team, and they, every opportunity they'll play. You can see how many games, and you know, the cohesion and their group with the combinations that they've they've played with since they so from the 20s all the way through to here. That's why they're such a threat, and and they come back and play. So, you know, they'll be ready. It's going to be a hell of a match after, um, you know, what's happened. Um, with three games against Australia, we're looking forward to them playing a different team.
3: Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be entirely different, actually. And uh, the All Blacks, I would imagine, are planning for that. Uh, every time they, they play, of course, the All Blacks, uh, you've got a pretty vested interest in it because so many of your Crusaders players are involved. Um, but this year, you've also got a new recruit who are coming in for the next campaign in Pablo Uh Fantastic. One of the great flankers uh, in the world at the moment. Just how did you convince him to come to Christchurch, Razor?
5: Uh, Look, I actually was coaching on the World 15, or the Barbarians actually, and it's Steve Beric's son is his agent, and he asked me one night after a couple of quiet ones in a Jimbo, in a bar, um, he said, which Argentinian would you have if there's anyone? And I just said, mate, there's, there's only one, and that's Pablo Montedo. And ironically, about four years later, he... Three years later, Raymond said, "Do you still want Pablo? He, wants, he loves the idea of playing for the Crusaders. Um, love the ethos that you guys have got. He wants to play and understand how to win um, next to some of the game's greats. Um, I think he's a fan of Sam Whitelock too. <laughs> so that's how it came about.
3: Well, that's great, and it's uh, it's going to be exciting for Crusaders fans, as it always is. Uh, you know, the pack will be solid. It'll be well performed. Uh, some people call it a Rolls Royce pack, but uh, you've actually." Forming yourself a hell of a backline now. Uh, tell us uh, um, a wee bit about uh, how you're seeing David Harvey uh, develop at 12. Uh, look, really
5: proud of, of Dave. Um, not just, uh, you see him as a player, and I think we're starting to get to know him now with uh you know, like in the media and, you know, the way he talks and articulate himself. He's such an incredible leader on off the field, holds a lot of money in our group. What he went through, you know, with, uh, with the old toothpick episode, and and now how he, how he conducts himself on the field, his multi-skilled approach to the game, um, he's extremely tough, um, and, and and the boys really love him off the field. Like he's just got that temperament. So look, to ask him to go to twelve, which has been well documented, you know, we know he's reluctant to go there, and now he's embraced it. Look, we really just, just, yeah, like I said before, just really proud of what he's done, and, and he's got the opportunity because. When you shaped that conversation, it was more look, 15 is a logjam. You know, they're trying to find out who the 15 is. So, if you're coming into that um, and you want to be an all black, we think your best position is for you to go with as 12. Jack, could you'd been injured? So, it worked out pretty well.
3: Uh, look, what I like about it is mm. it's not just it's his reading of the game. Uh, outside Richie uh, they they read the game so well together. He's got that. They've both got that little kicking option that uh, I guess opposing mm. defences have to be so wary of, which is special.
5: Yeah, it is. And his game sense is incredible. Obviously, he sees space really well. His bridge passes, long passes are incredible when he can kick off both feet and he can also kick you 50-odd know, metres as well off, off the ground. So, look... He had all that skill set, and um, just to trust himself to go in there. And his voice, you know, you hear him sideline. Mate, he just will not stop talking. And well, you know, mate, you're you're there more than anyone else. And you've got, you know, Richie just loves that. The combination they've built um, is pretty special.
3: You mentioned Jack Goodhue. Where's he at with his uh, rehabilitation, Razor?
5: Um, he t- it was a major op- major operation. It was a major injury, Smithy. Um, it was a big one. You know, he's. Taking a lot of his knee out, but if there's anyone that's going to work hard, it's, it's him. And he's learnt a lot from the other knee that he did, the other ACL. Um, so he's ahead of um, where they had planned. Um, it's a pretty unique injury with knee injuries, so it's going to take him out till probably May next year. Um, and, like, he, he's in a rough, uh, robust, you know, kid. He's, he's obviously got a bit of Dutch in him, as you, as you know, and um, the, the big bones, of his chest is probably benching a couple of hundred kilos by the end of this campaign. So he'll come back Mm. strong. Um, I talked to him the other day. Um, He's good at home, but he's he's just just rehabilitating.
3: Uh, Just one more back I'd like to to mention uh, as well, Jordan, uh, and his continued development. And he, this this kid seems to just be there at the right time. He's a terrific finisher, Mm. but he has a bit of a Midas touch about him, hasn't
5: he? Yeah, he's about three steps ahead of them than most. Like he can, he, you watch if the ball's coming out or someone's going to kick it. He's he's moved two or three steps before anyone else. Um, the balls normally don't hit the ground when he's playing fullback for us. You know when someone's kicked, or or there's a turnover, and and you watch it. There's a turnover, and he um, he can probably he anticipates it. So he's there first after two or three passes in the air. You know he's an inside ball, outside ball. Um, and and you, you see him when he's looking up inside Bowden Barrett's little ship ship gag. He would have been talking about that because he'd seen the fullback was too deep or or a nine wasn't covering way ahead of anyone else. So he's got that special sort of ability and it sixth sense to, yeah. to make um, special plays.
3: Scott Robertson we're talking to, folks. It's 9.13am. Uh, uh, Crusaders squad for mm. next year. Have, have you filled uh, all your slots? Have you... Are you pretty, pretty satisfied that uh, you've covered most of your bases or are you still looking?
5: No, we're pretty good. We've got about three left. You know, obviously with the uh, MPC on hold, um, that sort of slowed things up a little bit. We're trying to get that back on. But we know we've we got a, you know a couple on each of the positions in the, in the watch list, so we'll make a decision in the next two or three weeks once things are back up and, and, and going. You know, there's a little few medical things that we have to, Tie up and with offers and players, but I think in majority of Super Teams are more heavily contracted than we've ever been in my time doing it. Uh, everyone's, um, you know, got great academies. Um, they contract one or two years ahead for young guys coming through. We can see what the Hollanders have done already down South with, you know, that young team, and we all do that. it's the game is you've got to be a step ahead than everyone else. And you, whereas before, we would probably been a little bit shy about contracting young Flora and waiting and seeing, but no, you've got to go now or you won't get them. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to anyone else. You know, I'm working, I'm watching footy. You know, So there's no footy on. Um, you get a little bit bored, but you keep fit and surf.
3: Right, let's look at the, the new competition. Yeah. Moana Pacifica, Fiji and Drua are in. Uh, exciting for the islands. Uh, what do you make of that and the new format
5: uh, for next year? Oh, it's different. It's probably the exciting part of it, It's a different format again. We're not going to each other up playing out to and um, you needed the change. You could see even the not think, "Well, here we go again. It's another um, you know local rivalry." And it's good to get that freshness. And look, any startup teams is going to take time, as we know. Um, Talked to Aaron, major a lot around you know the minor Pacifico and. Um, just on and off the field and the recruitment process that they're going through and just leaving an ear and anything I can do to help and um, he's a smart operator. Um, look, I'm not too sure about the the, the Jewish side of stuff, but uh, you know, they've got depth, they're always going to bring um, some nuggets through, aren't they? They're going to find some great athletes and, and how long do they take before they get the cohesion and the coaching group get sorted and the management group, that'll take time, but the new format's pretty special, you know, I think for me it's probably eight to twelve, you know, you probably only gonna win three or four games to make the final. So there's a little bit of a different feel around it. But, you know, for us we get to play probably more full of full of squad than we would have in the last few years. You know, every game is pretty much a, yourself up to be the top two or a final and now Tyrone that this the next couple of years is a chance for us to develop our young guys and give them more game time and and um fishing up other players.
3: Your, you know, your results are, at uh, super level are undoubted. Um, it's there for everyone to see. Mm. What are the new? What are the new challenges and new goals you set yourself at the start of a season? Uh, how hungry are you? Um, you know, for for more and different kinds of success in terms of team and development of players.
5: Yeah, good, good question. That, that's um, quarterless, um, Smithy. Look, I, I uh. I run three or four projects in all my off seasons, you know, and, and make sure because I'm because you have plenty of time in between. You know, eighty six percent of success is your coaching and your sorry, as your your talent ID and, and your squad, and, and retention is just as important, more important than recruitment, to so you can keep teams together for long periods of time. And then my job, once I've done that, is you know, projects are inspiring the group, connecting them um understanding cultural competency, uh, working really hard and making sure that our my coaching group and um who who are all coaching some teams at the moment, you know, if it's Wellington or Fiji or Samoa or Namako uh, or Japan, all of them, you know, are, are away coaching so they can get better and then we come back and, and we can help the players be better and get them best out of themselves. Um so the probably right the excitement for me personally um, is to is to make sure I keep keep each new year um every new year is fresh and we take a step up as a group. Um, if it's around the leadership side of it, if it's around our game understanding, um, whatever it is or the ability for us to create more wallbacks Um, you know, George Brown's a prime example, he so proud of him. Mm. But those guys coming through that we get the best out of our group and and, and that, it takes time. It's it's a the real art um, but that gets me excited and for me to do that I have to have my, look at myself and go right well, what he is and why I have growth you get your reviews what you do every year and you can pick one or two key things that you need to to get better at so um, put my good strengths my energy and my ability to inspire groups so that's the biggest and core thing that I focus on and uh, and then everything works from there Smithy
3: Razor, look, you signed um, with the Crusaders uh, for uh, another good period of time, I think, to uh, 2024. Uh, you know, we get a lot of uh, messages in um, to the show, uh, and a lot of them say Razor yeah. should go overseas and try his luck overseas, <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah. they do. I mean, it's quite honest, it's one of the things we get in, particularly after uh, Ian Foster was reappointed, people say, well, Razor should go now and, and see the world and take his skills overseas. Um, yeah. have you have you seriously considered that? I know you've you've signed for the long haul, but uh, I mean is is it even possible to, to coaches get sabbaticals? I mean, can you can you could you go away and do something else and come back and still do the same thing?
5: Well that's what the Lions things was for me. I'd sort of forecasted um if Smith if they were gonna reappoint him Ian that, you know, the the Lions would give me the international experience but I think this time around with some going you know having that four years you you have to look at it now I have to look at uh my options like I have got an option outside after twenty three um to get a release you know you when you start weighing things up you look at you know do I go and coach another club I've just done you know a lot of years with caning and the Crusades I've done the eleven years well it's actually up to about four, 15 years of coaching. MPC, and um, by the time I leave, you know, seven years with the Crusaders, it's a, it's a long time coaching clubs, either club or country. And I work on three Cs. I do it with my players, you know, the cash, the club, and the coach. Um, but for me, it's more the CEO or the chairman um, of where I'm going to go. So you look at those three things, and it's not often you get all three. It's not often you go to a place where you've got a great club. They pay you a shitload of cash, <laughs> and And you've got a great coach and and when and when they when you go to a, a club that's got a good coach you know like you go to Wayne Smith and Kobe then go there you go there you know or you're a you're a boat and barrett going to Santori, you, you can understand why they go I mean you can understand well, that's why Pablo's coming here obviously <laughs> I shouldn't say that there's no cash in it but <laughs> the, 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 but for me that's I've got to ask the same question for myself smithy i've got a, a radio, What's mm. it Cash country and what's the what's the chairman what's the vision of that country you go to? are they going to stand up on a, a the big stage so um that's part of the project for me then this off season actually that I'll set myself to to look at it and what forecast forward post um start to France two thousand twenty three and the result is going to make a big difference
3: mm-hmm. okay razor hey look it's been great chatting. Uh I haven't even got to ask you about the twelves if you put your name forward for the 12s. Uh, i I've already
5: picked <laughs> Steve G. <Chief>. Holy <laughs> hell, that was the first thing I did. <laughs> Here we go, boys. Yep, yep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And you and you'll and you'll get a gig too. I I, I hope you will know, get a gig. I know you will. There's a there's a bit of a can of reconnection there, boy.
5: <laughs> yeah, oh look, uh, it's dumb. It's an interesting one, the 12s. Uh, it, it, look, a lot of things have got to be lined up and the calendars and, and you know, to do the right thing for rugby. But the concept, you know, everyone's excited we're talking about it. it, mm. it, it if it could work, great. And, you know, IPL and you, you can sort of feel, all oh, this could this work? I, I'd love to be involved. You know, that's, that's, that's mm. pretty special. But all roads lead to the Plaza Association and, and Rob Nickel holds a stop sign, you know. So <laughs> we, we've got to get through that one first before we go anywhere else.
3: Uh, good luck with that. Uh, good luck with that, Razor. Good luck uh, with your preparation, mate. Uh, fantastic. Uh, we were waiting for you for eight weeks, and I'm glad we waited uh, because you've been special. Uh, all, the best, ma- good. Uh, no, all the best. All the best, mate. Great to catch up with you. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, Scott, Scott Robertson there. Um, what, a, what a terrific bloke, and obviously you can see why. He can mould a great unit and uh, continue uh, with success because he's still, he's still hungry, and that'll make his players very hungry. Uh, 923 here on senz double eight double three. Give us your reaction to what you've just heard from Scott Robertson. If you like, uh, what about the the All Black captain for the weekend? Who's going to be? I mean, is it the Poison Chalice at the moment? Uh, whenever you get it, either your wife gets pregnant and has a baby, or you get injured. I mean, goodness me, what are we up to? Number five or six this year? Who do you reckon? 8833 is
2: the, the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Our phone number here, folks, is 0800 and Dean from Dunedin has dialed it straight at the end of the Razor Robertson interview. Dean, good morning to you. Um, Razor still sounds hungry, doesn't he?
6: Oh, mate, I mean, I don't know whether we have to, I don't know, start a campaign that we just get a shitload of money that he stays in New Zealand, like, we don't. I don't get, and I've watched it all my life, and I understand Graham Henry was great with Wales, Gatlin was great with Wales, Hanson was great with Wales, but who cares? Rosa Roberts is absolutely outstanding with the Crusaders. You can dress it up wherever you like, but unfortunately or fortunately, the Crusaders with two Iwani boys that, thank Christ, they've got them both in their right positions and one of them decided to play football, we've got it pretty much right. But it's his team anyway. Like, why does he have to go anywhere? Like, well, he doesn't have to go anywhere. Like, it's only my opinion, but when, the, when they decide the timing's right, surely he just walks into the job. He's done everything in New Zealand. Like, I don't understand why... Am I, am I sick? Am I missing something? I don't, I don't uh, understand what's going on.
3: Well, I can tell you, Dean, here's one of the reasons they go, and it'll be his choice. Uh, uh, you know, he's got a contract now uh, with the New Zealand Rugby, and he's with the Crusaders, but it'll be his choice, and the reason why they go is like anyone that wants to do well and get make the most and maximise their ability, they go for big money. Those jobs that you're talking about, they are very, very high rewarding in terms of the money. So they're, they're individual choices. Um, and at the end of the day, I agree with you, uh, he's done all he has, has to do and possibly can do with the Crusaders, but he's still hungry enough to carry on. And he's, the, the one thing he has got, Dean... He's got youth on his side. He's a very young man and very physically fit. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I don't need he be a loss, but I get where you're coming from. I, I get where you're coming from, but um, money is a, is a big factor. Yeah,
6: I know, but I, I totally know that, but I, it scares me. Like, I just look at I look at what his mate Ryan did with CG in a month or whatever he had with them, and he showed the world how to get into the all-black forwards. Like, I don't want Razor Robinson going teaching someone else how to beat us up like the game's not as complicated as everyone bloody makes out of this but he's I don't know I just and I don't really know deep down that he really wants to go overseas the money might be great but he's so driven he's such a Kiwi like he just I don't know I just it scares me at the end of the day it scares me they might pay him whatever they pay Eddie Jones to coach England and um, not Well, they might just offer him that much money. He doesn't want, well, I don't know, wants not the right word because he definitely wants the all-black coaching job. But, I don't know, money's a terrible beast, isn't it, at the end of the day? But if he gets in there, we could be in serious trouble when I just say, look at what Ryan did with Fiji in a month.
3: I totally hear you, Dean. I I really do. Um, Thanks so much for your passion uh, and your care. I love that. Thanks so much also for your call. Uh, At the moment, uh, Ray's still with us. Uh, well, he's still with us when you say that. If you're a Crusaders fan, he's still with the Crusaders, uh, and uh, long may he be uh, under the jurisdiction of New Zealand Rugby. Can't lose him. 9:32. Bit late for the news, but Trudy's always ready.
6: So it was Adam Blair and Glenn Stewart in an embrace of the century, and they're still. Well,
0: hang on, we better stay. Oh, God!
7: we knew there
3: was rivalry I don't know where you find that footage from John Day but every time every time we have a guest you find something for them uh, to reminisce about to talk about Adam Blair is with us now he's achieved a hell of a lot during his career NRL titles a world cup title 335 NRL games 51 test matches for the kiwis uh, but whenever the storm and the eagles play that footage seems to be brought up it's been 10 years since the Battle of Brookvale, as they used to call it, uh, between Glenn Stewart and Adam Blair, uh, had uh, a little tate-a-tate on the sidelines. Uh, Manly and Melbourne play tonight. So, uh, Adam, uh, that's one of the reasons we've uh, got you on this morning because you've been through a few of those. Um, that that thing 10 years ago, uh, still in your memory? Hey, mate. Morning,
4: morning. Uh, yeah, um, and if it never gets old, does it? Um, Yeah, like you said, you know, a decade ago, and it's still getting played, and it still gets brought up to this day, um, like you other guys just did. But um, you know, the Manly and Melbourne rivalry—it's been there for that long, so um, hence the reason why they still bring it up.
3: So, what do you think? Uh, what are you looking forward to tonight about this contest? Because for me, it's the match of the round.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I feel that this is uh, the position for the grand final spot. I, I think it's um you know, if there's one team that can maybe give uh, Melbourne a bit of a shake-up, which is going to be pretty tough, it's the Manly team and um again, the Melbourne Storm would do all their due diligence when it comes to um, Tom Trevojevic, but again, it's all about, I guess, for the Melbourne Storm, it's just getting, doing what they do really well and, and they've done that all year and they'll go out there and do that again. They would have Watch clips and clips of every single player in that team, so they know what's coming uh, for them, and uh, they're just going to go out there and make sure play well, you have to play your best game that you can for the year.
3: Plenty of Kiwis on show tonight on both sides. Uh, first of all, let's look at Melbourne with uh, Jerome Hughes, Brendan Smith, the Bromwich brothers. Man, uh, we've, we've focused during the week actually, we've uh, talked to uh, Toro and Nico, we've talked uh, to Cameron Smith last week as well about the influence of New Zealand players in that particular franchise—it's for some reason—it's always been very strong, hasn't it?
4: Well, the Melbourne Storm just get it, to be honest. Uh, when it comes to to Kiwi players and bringing kids over from New Zealand, they they understand the background, and that's the most important thing when it comes to um, our Kiwi players. But you you you, you walk into a, a successful culture that has, in the past, like you just mentioned, uh, and Nkala. Uh, Stephen Kearney, that have laid that those foundations for the Kiwi players coming through there, and the Jesse Bromages and the Jerome Hughes and, and those boys are the pathway to the next generation of Kiwi boys coming through that at the Melbourne Storm, and they just, I guess, Craig Bellamy, they've got a good system down there. He came in in 2003 and just turned that place around, and, you know, they're just a real successful organisation, and obviously led from him and a lot of players that have gone before him, but You know our Kiwi boys are leading the way now for for the Melbourne Storm as well.
3: For a long time, Adam, Uh, we New Zealanders have had an affiliation with Manly. Goes back to Graham Lowe, perhaps a little bit before that. Um, You know, you look at Matthew Ridge, Posty Innes, all those players that have great uh, New Zealand players that have played uh, in the Manly Seagulls colours, Uh, and now Kieran Foran's having a bit of a resurgence in form. uh, Resurgence in form for them this year as well
4: it's great. Um, you know, and that's why that rivalry is so strong. Anytime there's ev- ever been New Zealand players in an opposition, especially the Manly Seagulls, it seems to bring the best out of them individually. Uh, and over time, there's become this rivalry. And Kieran Forens was there 10 years ago, a decade ago, when that, that fight all broke out and I was in there with him uh, having a bit of a laugh. But you know he's still around. Like you he said, he's playing some great footy uh, off the back of you know Daily Cherry-Evans and Travoyevich. Everyone just seems to be enjoying themselves. They know what their roles are and they go out there and do it. They're they're a bit of a, um, a ad lib style of footy. You know Tom Travoyevich just gets the ball and just whatever he sees just goes for it. But that's been working for them uh, this year and that's why they're in the in the top and then in the, in the in the top four. And this is why. They'll give Melbourne a good shake. I don't know if they can beat them, but it'll be a game to be watched. And like you said, it's it's the match of the round for me to, as well.
3: So where are the key areas that you'll look... If we look at the game tonight in the early stages, what what will you be looking for in terms of teams trying to achieve dominance?
4: Oh, I guess the, the Melbourne Storm... You know, it, it's it's their middle. It's the pack. It's always it's always the, the the pack, the front forward, the forward battle with every team that you play against. You've got to build some ascendancy in the middle of the field before you start making some movements out wide. And again, uh the Manly Eagles will do the same thing, but this time they'll have Tom Djevojevic coming from the middle. Uh But again, the, the Melbourne Storm will know what what's coming in front of them and they'll have that prepared. They're the, the best defensive team in the competition, no doubt, and they've been like that for for over a decade. So they know how to prepare well for this game. And once once the middle starts loosening up, then you'll have some a bit of free reign for the likes of and coming out wide against Tom Trevojevich and the Manly team be sniffing out wide as well. And then he might open up some short side for Daly Cherry Evans. So there's strike power all over the field, but first and foremost, when it comes to these big matches, it's one through the middle first.
3: OK, let's look at the, uh, the other games because people will appreciate... Um... Um, your input on these two as as well, Adam. The Roosters and the Titans. How do you see that going?
4: Well, I definitely think, uh, you know, the Titans have played a great brand of footy this year and been very lucky. Uh, again, obviously, the Warriors let them through a very easy, easy uh, top eight spot compared to the other guys that were fighting for those positions, the Canberra Raiders. Um, but I think the Roosters will be too good. I, you know, without you know, with so many injuries throughout their team. They still manage to consistently turn up and put in performances that their club and individuals are proud of. You know, they get Jared Wadia Argraves back. They get Victor Radley back. That helps when it comes to forces and impact. Victor Radley's one of the best ball-playing locks in the, at the moment with Cameron Murray. So those guys will add a little bit of spark to them. But you can't um, go past the Titans with the unpredictability and the way they turn up. So it'll be a close match, but I think the Roosters will be too good.
3: Panthers,
4: Rabbitohs? Yeah, another another great match as well. I think, uh, you know, without Littrell, Littrell Mitchell and the Rabbitohs, it, 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 I think, you know, being a big game player, I think the Rabbitohs might do it tough. Um, you know, the Panthers have been quality all year as well, and that's why they're sitting at the top of the ladder with the Melbourne Storm. Um, you know, they play a free brand of football where, you know, they execute at high speed. Um, they've got attacking players all over the field. Their back row is a strong Ki Their middles with Fisher Harris up the middle are uh, really well, uh, really good. But again, you know, I think you know, it's, it's whoever turns up on the night, prepared to to go after the opposition. And and you can't count out the uh, the Rabbitohs with Quain Bennett having a big key part, in, in that with preparation and understanding what it takes to win uh, games and come this time of the year. So you can't go past. As I mentioned Cameron Murray. He's a big part of that. South Sydney's team, and he's their link in the middle of the park, which will, will uh, you know, add some strike power to the to the South Sydney boys as well.
3: And in terms of uh, the final one, do we look at are the Eels? Um, uh, are the Eels very dominant favourites for you against the Knights?
4: No, I think so. You know, after the the performance, I know everyone speaks about, you know, once you get in the eight, it's a different competition, but I I see, you know, the Knights have really struggled to get into the eight and just to hold their spot and coming off their last performance against the Broncos, who I thought had consistently improved at the back end of the year, um, you know, I just didn't think they were were up to scratch to play finals football. I think, uh, you know, Parramatta showed uh, a blueprint in how to beat the Melbourne Storm, and this is how Parramatta play. They play a, a, a big bash-up through the middle kind of style of football where then they let Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown play a little bit wider and it uh, forces uh, you know the big boys to actually move to try and fill the space as quick as they can. So I, I definitely think Parramatta will win this one easy.
3: Um, just on, uh, one final thing. Uh, the Warriors, uh, Adam, had their awards last night. Uh, and Tohu Harris, uh, Tohu Harris, for uh, the second time in a row, uh, given uh, the Simon Mannering Award. Uh, they missed him for most of the season, but uh, he must have made some impression to get it with that few games.
4: Oh well, I think the, the Simon Mannering Award is, is someone that epitomises the New Zealand Warriors or the Warriors player. Uh, and if you look at what Simon Mannering done throughout his career, it's you know the the consistent performance week in week out. Has many rounds as you can, and Tohu Harris epitomises the, the Simon Mannering Award. Uh, you know, in the last two years now, two years running, uh, he's he's got that award. You know, it was Roger before that? But you know, without Tohu Harris, um, then the consistency that he plays at, where his 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 bad game is pretty much right next to his his, his best game, and it, there's not much difference. And that's that's what you want from your quality players and your star players in your team. Yes. They missed him throughout the back end of of the season, and his leadership uh, and his, his his way the way he plays the game was was missed and We we knew that, and we could see that out on the field when times were tough. But you know that's that's what the Simon Mannering Award epitomises. It epitomises Toru Harris. It epitomises consistency. It epitomises uh, you know performance and the same perfect performance week in week out.
3: Adam Blair. Um Fantastic to hear your insight into how you think it'll go and to the background of particularly uh, Manly 2 and the Storm. Um, enjoy the weekend of footy, man. Uh, it's the important time of the year for all of you guys that have been through it. So uh, let's hope you can enjoy it, eh?
4: Yeah, it's exciting time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
3: Yep, Adam Blair there, folks. Uh, outstanding analysis there of uh, how he breaks down those four matches over the weekend. Uh, it's 9.45 here on SENZ, we've got a couple of uh, texts coming in, um, around about uh, Razor Robertson and uh, what you think he should do, an interesting one too for Paul Mawati about uh, Javo the idiot who keeps invading the pitch what are the odds on him coming in (laughs) from test match number 5 yeah, a fourth test appearance in test match number 5, somehow getting onto the field of play, that is bizarre, absolutely bizarre not good at all, so Uh, I hope that we're providing you with a little bit of entertainment on this Friday. Uh, I don't recall Ian Foster coaching overseas to become an all-black coach. That's one text. Yes, you're right, he didn't. Uh, But he hung around here as an apprentice for a long, long time and was very patient. Let's not forget, um, before he got his opportunity, which now, of course, will take him through uh, until the end of the next World Cup. Uh, Smithy, can you ask Paul M, Paul Mawati, uh, when he comes on, at the TAB will run some odds on Javo, making a fourth test appearance in the fifth uh, test against England versus, uh, England versus India tonight at Old Trafford? Now, uh, the thing about this guy is that uh, for three tests out of uh, the first four, he managed to, he started at Lords. When he came on, he dresses up as an Indian cricketer. He doesn't look like an Indian, but he puts all their, their whites on with their uniform, their Sahara logos, etc and somehow weasels his way onto the field, whether it's uh, as they're walking out the field, or uh, as in the last case, uh, when uh, one of them got out, he walked out with all his pads and and his bat, etc., as if he was the next batsman in. Uh, He duly gets arrested, uh, and uh, this time he's been banned for life from Headingley. And it's it's fun for a lot of people. Uh, It's gimmicky. He's not the first pitch invader over the years that's been involved. Uh, I've had some fairly serious ones. Uh, of course, uh, let's not forget the one that went and attacked uh, the referee uh, way back when the All Blacks were playing and Richie McCaw had to tackle him. Let's not forget the the, the idiot, and I had his name written down, but I, I haven't at the moment, who attacked Monica Sellish uh, on the tennis court and stabbed her. So, and while this is good natured, they don't know that at the time. They don't know that at the time. And, and the problem that it brings to everybody is that um, it doubles security every time. I can promise you, if something like that happens, they go straight to the security people who then turn around and double their numbers, make it much more officious and ground unfriendly for all of us at the grounds. And, and that is one of the reasons why. So, uh, you know, whilst it's it's fun and we went through that stage of the streakers, male and female, and everyone got excited about the whole deal, the end result is not pretty, I promise you. And in Australia, they don't know how to deal with them. Uh, and maybe if I've got some time later, I can tell you the story of Sarge in the dressing room. Anyway, it's uh, multi time here very shortly here on SCNZ. Um, we usually have a pretty good run at the weekend, so I've gone big. I've gone big this time.
2: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Out of here, Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
6: You got to know when the hole. know when. Smithy's multi. No wind to walk away
3: and no when to run.
1: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app
3: today. Sakari beat Pliskova yesterday at two bucks. Djokovic and Berrettini Yes, there were over 33.5 games, but the Braves were smashed by the Nationals. So that was gone. Uh, in terms of today, it's a big one. Uh, I'm going all the league games and taking the favourites. So Melbourne to win at a buck thirty-seven, the Roosters at a dollar twenty-seven. The Panthers $1.26. The Eels at $1.39. I'm going Sakari to beat radikanu in the tennis today, the women's tennis. Sakari, I'm sticking with her. She's fantastic. And then two horses tomorrow. Uh, Flemington Race 8 uh, incentivised in the first three at $1.60. sixty. Grange on Trivier. first three at thirty. Return 10.27. Get the details on the app. It's 10 o'clock. Nature Bee Power Pollen. Order at
2: powerpollen.co.nz. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Old Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Well, every now and then uh, you have to get your bench players up to speed just in case you need them in the last 20 minutes of the game. So uh, late yesterday afternoon, uh, I was unavailable. I got a hamstring strain and had to go to the doctor. Uh, to get it sorted out, and we had a special interview lined up, so guess who stepped in? John Day. John Day talking to uh, a really important man in terms of the weekend's activity. Uh, Just let's see how it goes. The All Blacks are back in action this weekend, off the back of what I thought
2: was a statement victory over the Wallabies in Perth. They're taking on Argentina on the Gold Coast on Sunday night, kick-off at 5 past 7, a beautiful time to have your dinner and watch the All Blacks and joining us now is All Blacks Assistant Coach Brad Moore. Cheers for coming on Brad. I'm obviously subbing in for Smithy, uh, but you'd agree that it's important to keep your bench match fit and give them plenty of game time?
8: <laughs> is that an attempt to, uh, to find out who was picked? It's coming hot. Um, John, it's a pleasure to be on and uh, thanks for the opportunity, but look I think we're uh, we're in a situation as normal. We've got to get everyone ready because either, uh, everyone's preparing to play anyway, but, um, you know, once when selection's sorted, some are helping others prepare whilst they're still preparing themselves. So it's, it's important that everyone's fit, healthy, energised and and, uh, and in a happy place.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was more pointing to the fact that I'm off the bench and looking to get some more airtime uh, with Smithy hogging <laughs> the airwaves and fair enough, great broadcaster, but he's not, uh, not oh. able to talk to you today. But, um, yeah, I, I am going to try and scratch the surface of selection. I know it's coming out uh, just in a few hours, but how are Artie Savia and Cody Taylor uh, and their head knocks? How have they come through the week?
8: They've, they've done really well. they just worked through their process and the protocols that are all the, the return to plays that, that the docs um, uh, work through really well with them. So they seem seem to be in good, good healthy space and happy and smiling around the camp. So uh, they're, they're doing really well.
2: Nice, nice, very diplomatic answer. So not w- uh, willing to rule them out or say whether they're going to play? No, nah, mate,
8: you know, you know I can't do that. I and, love uh, it, yeah. am not going to uh, confirm in or out for anybody.
2: No, definitely not. Uh, just so good to get this tour like no other started with such a positive victory. I mean, 10 tests in 12 weeks, but when you start like that, uh, that'll give you great hope moving forward to this next challenge.
8: Oh, look, it's superb. Um, really uh, happy shared uh, after that game, and, and I must say, we've actually had a, uh, the group's been outstanding all the way through management and and players alike. Um, it is a tour like no other. That just, just like Eden and Alison, doesn't it? You go one bite at a time and make sure that you focus on where you need to be here and now. So, um, really good mental challenge for us uh, into that game. The opportunity to go three 0 against Australia, which doesn't happen often, and. Um, and, and, back up the two home victories with a victory on the away stage. So, um, there was, there was great way to start the, the tour and then, uh, and then put that to rest and, and get excited about a, a very different challenge, which is the Argentinian side who, who um, are a really strong, uh, unit and also no doubt have, um, been bonded nicely through being away from home as well. Yeah,
2: absolutely, and so the motivation was clear for the Wallabies, I think, uh, to everyone, especially afterwards. You wanted to whitewash them, so what's the motivation heading into uh, two tests against the Pumas?
8: Oh, look, there's all, there's all sorts of motivations. Um, I, I, I just uh, sense with our, with our group that we just want to keep um, keep improving the whole time and and, uh, and keep chipping away at, at, at whatever the opposition is or whatever the challenge is. We, we're... Um, We're highly motivated to to perform in a way that that, that, the the, the jersey and the All Blacks legacy demands and also that that puts the imprint on it that that we've got the opportunity to do so in the here and now. It's a great privilege, the motivation, that stuff. It's also, you know, we're in a competition for a trophy um, where we're all individually working really hard in our own roles. And the players are desperate to play, so it's um, there's all sorts of motivations. And notwithstanding also the fact that you know we're on tour, and you want to make it count, and, and make sure that the sacrifices that that we, but more so that our families are are, are, are putting themselves forward for, uh, are worthwhile, and that we honour
2: that. Yeah, well, you could tell they were motivated by the way they were defending last weekend, and then pouncing on any mistakes the Wallabies made, and scoring some fantastic tries I mean you're working with some unbelievable talent aren't you in that All Blacks back line as a coach just are you in like are you in a kid in a candy store is this like a dream job for you being able to work with that talent and then the things you work on seeing it come out to fruition on the park oh
8: absolutely mate you know I, I love coaching and um I love getting down to the mighty under 14 goals at Christchurch boys when, <laughs> when I'm home and and, and get in amongst, amongst that group and, and coaching. So to have the opportunity to be working with, with, uh, these guys at, at all black standard is, is just a huge privilege and, and great buzz. You know, it's like turning up to Disneyland every day. And, um, we, we, I just see a group that works incredibly hard, um, from the, the end of a game to the beginning of the next one. They challenge themselves and each other massively and us. And, uh, and, but work really hard to, to, to find ways to improve and to, and to then go and express themselves. And that's, that's the, the crux of the job is, is to, is to help them get better, but also, um, give them the freedom to go and play and, and, uh, and, and play off each other, which I think we're now, we're really starting to see particularly in those turnover moments.
2: Absolutely. And then uh, some of those strike plays are just fantastic, like that Bone and Barrett chip kick, and then Will Jordan picks it up, oh. and, you know, his brother Geordie finishes it off, and you could just see the joy on their yeah. face. Like, are, is that instinctual or are they set plays? How, how do they come about, those moves?
8: Well, look, I think it's a, it's a combination of, of of both that, instinctual and, and set, set play. It's not like in this situation you will see this, but it's, it's about identifying possible options that, that, they may see in opportunities you know, that the side may defend in a particular way that, that could result in space being on the outside, through the middle, or behind teams. So then then you go and practice and play games and whatnot to, to try and, um, and, and show those opportunities during the week, but just to encourage the guys to have a go and that their skill set's outstanding. So if they're seeing the opportunities, they're making good decisions and they're executing the skills, Jeez, we're we we're in for a great ride and and um, we're back. The moment it's uh, it is pure joy and it's great to see see them seeing that stuff and and uh, and having a go.
2: Good to see Bowden getting his shot at number ten. He looked like he really enjoyed it at the weekend. What did you like? What you saw from Bowden Barrett, and given that he's uh the vice captain as well at the moment, that extra bit of leadership seems to bring the best out of him.
8: He's certainly found his rhythm back, at, back in New Zealand. He's, he's leading superbly uh, around the group. Um, he knows when to switch on and switch off. Um, he he does a huge amount of work around his own detail and getting the detail of the game strategy right for the team. So um, and then it's and then it's it's uh, his ability to be able to back that work when it comes to game day and then just go play. And no, I think we're seeing that. And um, I, I was really impressed by his, his his game management, particularly when we were down to uh, 14 men, and also um, you know his, his depth awareness, so when to get flat and when to get a bit deeper and and, uh, and and stuff like that, which allows us to stay stay in a position to be able to play. And, and I think that uh, that when you start to see that, you know that he's coming into some really good form.
2: Yeah, and his brother, Geordie, like, at one minute he was on cloud nine, next minute he's off the field, but that's all been dealt with. I mean, the 20-minute red card seemed to work and the judicial, judicial hearing went well for you guys. So um, are you content with everything that went on with Geordie?
8: Yeah, look, it, it, we, we felt that we've had a really fair hearing. I think we've um, been through quite a bit of that in the last couple of days around that stuff. The, the, the hearing was was run very fairly, we had a, a really good opportunity to put our case um, and, uh, and I felt that we challenged it because we thought it was right to challenge it, that we thought that he hadn't acted in any dangerous or reckless way and that it was a purely natural movement of, of his body in that, in that act. So um, by virtue of, of the decision and the process, it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing and you could see the relief on on Jordy, and uh, and the spring in his step, come the next morning as we as we went out into training. So he's um he's in a great space, and and uh, and we move on.
2: That's awesome to hear. Um, spring in the step, you got plenty of that out wide, don't you? I mean, Seve Reese, Will Jordan, Rico, Yuani's just unreal at the moment. And George Bridge, how do you go about deciding who's the wing combination? Because pick any of those two, uh, and you you can't lose really, can you? So. Uh, How do you go about it during training, and is there a plan as the weeks goes on to give people go, or how does it work when there's such hot competition?
8: Well, look, it's blistering pace, isn't it, and uh, see Rico hit 384 k's an hour is just incredible. Mm. Um, That's superb, and and the others weren't far off either, So it's great, it just means they're in great nick, um, physically, mentally, and the, 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 the... the strength and conditioning and medical teams, and everyone's doing a great job around that, so which is great. And, yep, there's uh challenges in all positions. How, how it really works for me is I, I go into a meeting with the boss and he tells me the team, so
7: that's,
8: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that keeps it really simple. And uh, but certainly they're all getting opportunities, every day is an opportunity, every day, every meeting, every uh act, every training. How are they moving? How they interacting, are they are they helping themselves get better, helping others get better, sharing ideas, it's a great environment for that. Um, you know, the outside backs, the midfield, the inside backs, the Lucy's locks, props, hookers, etc., all work really well within their own positional groups to ensure that they've got every base covered for what they need to do for others and what others need to do for them in the game and that creates some great conversations across those groups. So the, the the opportunities are definitely
2: there, and I think uh, everyone will end up getting plenty of opportunities over the next uh, nine games uh, to play. So let's take a little bit of a look at the Pumas. We all know about Pablo Matera uh, as a Bex coach. I guess you don't need to worry about him too much, although we probably will be at your backs and trying to turn over that ball. But in the back line, uh, great names to say, like Geronimo De La Fuente and Santiago Chocobares. So uh, great names to say, but I don't think a lot of New Zealanders know a lot about these guys, especially with the Hawaiis not in super rugby anymore. So what are we expecting yeah. from the Pumas back line?
8: Oh, class operators. You know, a lot of them play, for, and, and, uh, play in Europe and they, are and top-line players for, for top clubs. They're given any space, the wonderful footwork ability to turn not much into into an opportunity and and uh, and generally I don't know if this is connected to a football background for a country you know it's in its DNA isn't it but uh, generally you find with uh, with the Pumas that they've got really good kicking options across the park and and uh, try to exploit attacking kicks or or kick for pressure through a number of uh, a number of their players are really good defensively they work really well as a unit so um, we'll be we'll be working really hard to try and try and break that down and, and and take our opportunities.
2: Does last year's loss to them still hurt? Is that something that's driving the team this week? Look, it's
8: it's it's not something that's been spoken about in, in that respect, but I think it's uh, it certainly sits in everybody's um, you know subconscious that comes put to the front of the brain every now and then. So. Um, you always remember the things that hurt you, don't you? And, and you use them to, to motivate one way or another. But it's, it's not a—it's not something that's sitting up there in the team meetings. Is you, this is the motivation? The motivation is is largely from within, and, and uh, the opportunity to go and represent our country again. You know, we, we take that really seriously, and we're very very proud of of that opportunity. So, um, you know, it's just a, you just count down to game time. It's brilliant. Can't wait.
2: Everyone in New Zealand's absolutely pumped as well. Are You guys, the coaching staff, have got the boys humming over there, and we can't wait for this Sunday
3: night. Brad Moore, thanks so much for your time.
8: Thanks, John. Absolute pleasure.
3: Yep, John Day there, uh, coming off the bench outstandingly well. There's uh, folks that uh, years and years and years are sitting in press conferences trying to get that question in, that one that reveals the all-important headline and Uh, J.D., you tried your best to get the team out of him, or any hints to the team, but they're pretty resolute, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, mate, I had absolutely no show. Straight off the bat, I tried
2: to make a joke to uh, kind of warm him up a little bit, and he thought I was trying to get the team straight away. So once you're a journalist, you can never shake that reputation smithy. They think you're just in there to try and get the team. So we're going to have to try and decide ourselves, I guess. Um, I think about 3.30 the Savo, they'll name that team to face the Pumas. Um, you know, he, he said there that Artie Salvia and Cody Taylor have come through the week well with head knocks, but do you risk them? I'm not sure whether you do. And then if you don't, who replaces those guys and who's your new captain?
3: Well, you run a risk if you play them. It's all very well to say that they've come through okay, but say they got another knock. Say, you know, and say you've, you've rushed them back in. And, and to rush them back in after being uh, effectively uh, concussed out of the game last week, uh, I think would be too soon on the international stage. And they've got so much more rugby coming up uh, with a view to uh, the rest of this championship and, and, of course, getting heading north. So I don't think either of those two players will be in the mix. I'll be very surprised if either are there. Uh, the other one, of course, is who captains it. Of course, uh, Sam Whitelock's gone over there, can't play this weekend. Um, uh, Aaron Smith, not there. Artie Savia not there. Sam Kane, not there. So... We're looking potentially at a fifth named captain in a season, which isn't even in terms of the tests. got to play isn't even half old. So I mean, if we look at all the candidates last week, the two front runners really were Cody Taylor and Artie Savia. and of course both of them are out of contention. So do they say uh, T.J. Perinari, you start and you be captain with your experience? Um, do they say to Brad Weber, you start again and you be captain with your experience from the Chiefs? So. Interesting. Uh, it, might, it might possibly be that the captain wears the number nine jersey again. Uh, we'll talk about that with the panel, actually. That's coming up very shortly. Sam Ackerman and Richard Nola. Uh, Sam will also have some views on the NRL weekend ahead of us and uh, perhaps on the Warriors too. Richard, of course, will have plenty of ideas uh, about uh, the All Blacks and, and possibly the, uh, the potential captain as well. That's coming up very shortly. It's uh, 10.19 here on SENZ. It.
7: Big talk,
3: big opinions, the panel. Well, the panel this morning consists of Sam Ackerman, of course, sports broadcaster extraordinaire, very excited about uh, this weekend. Of course, the NRL action, very serious it is as well. And from the press, uh, Richard Nola. Richard, uh, good morning to you. Can we start uh, by uh, assuming there will uh, be... Another all-black captain. I'm not thinking uh, that Artie Savia and and Cody Taylor will be playing this weekend. You might have a different view on that, but who's the candidates? uh, We keep asking this question week after week. Next all-black captain.
9: Yeah, it's it's a talking point. Um, Just firstly, I I would doubt that either of... Firstly, Artie Savia and Cody Taylor who both failed head injury assessment um, at the weekend... Look, there are so many factors to it. For starters, you do not we all know in, in the day and age of concussion, you don't mess around. And even though Hardy did say he felt fine afterwards um, to suggest perhaps he might be OK, I would say no, because you also have to take the bigger picture into account as well. I mean, you've got so many tests in a row that you, you just can't go risk it, guys. So uh, what have we got? we got no Sam Kane, no Sam Whitelock, who's in isolation, Aaron Smith, who kept the New Blacks, Early this year, still at home on baby watch. Um, Ardie Severe probably out. Cody Taylor, who's captain the Crusaders, and probably could have kept the New Blacks. I thought even before the tour began, he's out. Dane Cole's—he would be an option if he was there, but he's not. So he's got a um, calf strain, and in complicating it, you've got your two deputies, and I've written it down. obviously you've got Bowden Barrett and, and Brodie Watkell. But I wonder if they might be tempted to even rest Brodie Watkell, or perhaps just bring him on the bench just to manage the big rigs minutes given that they've got such a heavy schedule ahead for him. So I'll go, uh, I'll put my money on Boat and Barrett at this point, um, just, just for the fact that he's the only number 10 they've got. He's guaranteed to start, surely, and um, he probably seems a logical, perhaps, option. And he has kept the All Blacks before, if you remember back, I think it was 2017, wasn't it, against the Barbarians in London, so... Yeah, it's getting down. Um, other options, perhaps Patrick Tourpillotu or TJ Perinara or something like that. But at the moment, I'll go, I'll go with Bowden
3: Barrett. There you go. Yeah, okay. I like that one, Richard. Um, it's one I didn't actually consider, but you're dead right, actually, because they do a, did appoint two vice captains or uh, co vice captains last week, mm-hmm. and uh, they were Ritalik and uh, Bowden Barrett. So you're spot on there. Uh, Sammy Ackerman this is the time of the year I would imagine where you start to sit a little bit further forward on the couch and you don't want any background noise at all because it's NRL tonight Uh, the Storm and Manly Uh, how do you see these games going over the weekend to form to the bedding? Uh,
10: to a degree, I think the, the thing is, when it gets to the stage, it's it so much about momentum, and you look at the top two teams being the Storm and the Panthers, and they do have great momentum. The Storm had a, uh, a hiccup a few weeks ago, which is great for them, uh, because you don't want to have too, uh, too long a run of wins without uh, defeat, because uh, but if uh, a bit too much confidence can fit on there, everyone can kind of rest on their laurels somewhat, thinking they can do this. So that was a perfect loss for uh, for Bellamy. So it's hard to go past them. But the form of Manly in the last couple of weeks, if you saw the game against the Cowboys and the way they played, uh, their, it was a joyous uh, ability of, of their, their skills to set loose. Manly have not played like that in a very long time. The way that they are playing their footy is... Uh, it's. it's it's fun and Manly aren't renowned for being a fun team to watch necessarily always had great skill when they've been successful but they are, rather than overly structured they've got this incredible ability through their side so if anyone's going to be able to upset the Apple Court uh, cart so far I'd say it's Manly against the Storm because Manly uh, do know this, the Storm well they've got a steep rivalry So perhaps, perhaps there's an upset in the offing there. But the quality of footy I think we should see going up a notch. If anyone sat through uh, the Warriors game uh, last week, then they'll be relieved to watch uh, footy as it's meant to be played uh, this week.
3: Okay, we'll stay on that subject of the Warriors because that reminds me about, uh, I haven't gone public yet, to my knowledge anyway, on what they're going to do with the, uh, the offenders from last week. What would you do?
10: Uh, I, well, First of all, they don't have to worry about uh, Kane Evans for a while because he won't be able to play footy with them for multiple weeks with the suspensions he's got coming. And I was surprised to see Matt Lodge get uh, the reprimand as, as from the NRL that is as low as it was. Uh, listen, I've, like so many league fans, I've followed uh, the Warriors since their inception. Uh, I've been work, worked with them uh, closely as a, a reporter and uh, for many a year and got to know the inner workings of that club. Um, particularly well, and the, I've got a lot of respect for people who, like Cameron George and many in, in the uh, who set the uh, the off-field tone for for that club. Um, I, I I I can't believe that Matt Lodge should, should be uh, around next year. I think that he was already borderline in the eyes of the fans, and I think this is the the big situation is that they now have a team. Full of players that people here don't identify with. They, I'm not saying they need to be New Zealanders, but they used to play here. They're a team that you could go watch, you could go mingle with, and they became somebody you could say, well, they were part of our team, our club, where you can buy in. There's no buying with these guys because they're based overseas. That's not their problem. That's not their fault, rather, but their problem is... That they're not players that feel like Warriors. I don't look at Kane Evans' play uh, and Matt Lodge thing and go, yep, those are guys that represent this club properly. They're footy players that haven't uh, set foot over here as Warriors for reasons beyond their control. It doesn't feel like the Warriors' club when you see those guys playing and I know they they just seem to be flirting with disaster too much. Yep, I I love a bit of aggression in footy. I'm one of the first to say I love a bit of biff when it's on and it's toe-to-toe that kind of thing. It's great. I just thought that I was was embarrassed watching the actions of uh, Matt Lodge in particular uh, Way he flipped off the crowd as he walked off there. So I, I think they've got to take a good hard look. Uh, we've seen many a player marched or not selected uh, in the past because of culture. Uh, I'd like to see that uh, maintained. And I uh, Maybe Matt maybe Lodge has stood there and apologised to the team, poured his heart out and explained why it's not the case. From the public murmurings, uh, from what I've seen, I, I, and he has apologised through social media, but still, it's, it's for a guy who's got his reputation, it's completely unacceptable.
3: Yep, I totally agree with you. Uh, Richard Nola and Sam Ackerman uh, with our thoughts on the panel this morning. Please, uh, gentlemen, if you could stay with us. We're just going to the news. Uh, Another couple of issues I'd like to uh, chew the fat with you over uh, after that. Uh, Here's Trudy.
1: Big talk, big opinions, the panel.
3: Well, not... Perhaps that much interest in, uh, in how the Wallabies go this weekend because uh, they're not playing against us, but they are playing against the might of South Africa. And you may have heard there in the news that Trudy said that uh, they're going to go with Quade Cooper. Dave Rennie's going to go with Quade Cooper uh, in the pivot role of 10. So, Richard Nola, is this a case of, um, of, of uh, Dave Rennie saying, look, uh, Lollisier just wasn't up to it under pressure? Or was, uh, is it a case mm. of him scraping the bottom of the barrel here with Cooper? Because that's going a long way back. Um,
9: well uh, in regards to Noah uh, look, he's a young young kid Um, Dave really has been patient Uh, I can see what he's trying to do with Lolisayo. he's he's probably looking at the 2023 World Cup saying we need to give this guy time in the saddle, we need to expose him to high pressure footy we need to get going on this project Um, but in Perth Oh, he would have been disappointed. Uh, just his option-taking with Lola uh, probably... Uh, uh, well, he's, he's learning. Um, I, I was disappointed, obviously, when he went for that cross-kick when they had numbers on the right-hand side and the, and the Wallabies blew it. They really need to keep the ball in hand. He just doesn't seem to be able to read what's in front of him at the moment. So when it comes to Quade Cooper... It really is a necessity at this point. Um, Whether it's scraping the bottom of the barrel, I'm not sure, because I just haven't seen enough of the guy play. I know he's been in Japan, and I know he's come back. Um, He must be in decent nick. My understanding is that Cooper is 33 years old, so he's, uh, to put it kindly, he's been around a bit. Um, But if you want to look on the positive side of it, it's a guy who, with Quaid Cooper, you can say, look, Perhaps he's not going to get flustered. He's going to go out there. He's going to be able to read the game a bit better. And, and what's he got to lose? Um, you know, he can turn to people and say, look, I'm back. I'm happy to be here. And look, I'll do a job for Dave Rennie. Um, but he, on Dave Rennie, I, I don't know if it's sympathy I have for him or what. I don't know what to think really because it's a hell of a situation to be in. I mean, you go from playing your blacks, losing series 3-0, And then you've got two tests against the springboks. I mean, does it get any tougher? Uh, The other question is, is Quade Cooper going to help dig them out of that hole? Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say probably not. And it's unfair to actually expect Cooper to do that. But that's the pressure that's on, isn't it? And that's Test Footy for for Rennie and Co. Uh, I wish them all the best, but I probably don't see Quade Cooper um, firing up the magic carpet to, to help fly the Wallabies out of this mess. It's, it's a situation they're in, and they've had to call a shot, but, um, yeah, they're probably drawing a long bow, but that's, that's just the way it is at the moment.
3: Yeah, uh, 1,500 days, actually, over 1,500 days since uh, Quade Cooper <laughs> last wore the Wallaby jersey, so that's an interesting stat in itself. Uh, uh, Sam, one of the issues, uh, it's a bit of a moral issue, uh, this one as well, is, uh, and off the field, definitely, Uh, Should individual athletes uh, overseas uh, be able to isolate at home instead of going into MIQ? In other words, can we do something better for them to get them home, Uh, particularly those ones who are, uh, uh, you know, they're they're doing it on their own. You know, the Ryan Foxes of the world, uh, those people that, you know, we take a tremendous amount of interest in what they do. Uh, Should we be helping them out more?
10: Well I think it's it's um quite the can of worms that one in, and I, for me i'm I'm for it as long as it's not as um it needs to be for the sake of these athletes as well, um something that is uh, spread around broader, so people who, there'll be a range of people that'll fit. Uh, this same mould of going off to represent New Zealand. So, well, it could be a performer, uh, it could be uh, yourself, such as a, a commentators going across um, professionally for an opportunity, why, why should these people who be denied uh, opportunities to further their career, uh, when you go over there for example in to commentate, you are representing New Zealand's interest within uh, this context, you, your voice is a really important one for the audience back here, but the audience over there to understand the, the skill, the depth uh, and the talent of the New Zealand team that you are part of commentating. It is doing New Zealand a service. So it goes well beyond just the athletes who are representing New Zealand in that stage. But when we come back to those individual athletes, the answer is yes, because we're going to see a lot of them stop competing internationally. Now, that's, the rest of the world hasn't stopped competing internationally. There's uh, a lot of athletes who are still able to do what they do under these you know, unusual circumstances, and of course with uh, little caveats here and there. But... We shouldn't be punishing um, or telling New Zealand sports people, yeah, if you want to go do your job, what you've set out to do, the correct path that you've uh, mapped out, that puts us in a situation, a la the Paul Coles and the Ryan Foxes of this world, we aren't going to punish you uh, and put you at the back of a line. Uh, certainly uh, there has been dispensation made for people who aren't, doing that in the past, and we're talking about bringing international sports teams or acts in, I know everything involves and and Delta and yada yada, but we do need to make sure we're setting these guys up to be able to uh, have sponsors, be able to set themselves up for life, uh, in their life I should say, uh, to be able to compete, because right now it's too big a burden for them, you're asking them to financially cripple themselves to go over there, if you go to compete in a a one-week event or a one-day event, but they're there for a week, you might not get home for two months, that's insane.
7: Mm.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And uh, Richard, I'll ask you for that just before that. I'll ask you for your opinion on that. But here's one. Uh, You talk about commentators or coaches uh, Stephen Fleming, uh, Brennan McCullum, uh, and Mike Hessen. Now, all of those three have done wonderful things for New Zealand cricket. They've taken us to the top of the tree, to World Cup finals, uh, to to where we're at. Now, they're over there um, as individuals working in the IPL. But Richard Nola, they are going to, they've got absolutely at this point in time. Uh, got no idea when they're allowed home. But, you know, uh, we're quite happy for them, you know, for years and years and years to sit on the back of their performances and their leadership. So is there a point there?
9: There is. There is a point. Um, the first thing that I would like to make clear is what I don't want to see, um, and, and the problem, this is what will happen, and we all know that, but if you live in the real world, that these sort of things can become a, a political football, um, and you're going to get people who, quite rightly, want to get back home, and that's understandable. Everyone wants to get home for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, It doesn't matter what industry they're in. It doesn't matter whether they're a sports person or they're working in, in some other occupation. But if it's a sports person, we all know that let's say if they do get a dispensation, then straight away you are going to get some people from the political sphere arcing up, and I don't want to get too deep into that, but I'd hate to see this sort of thing become a political situation where these uh, individuals, whether they be commentators or they play in sports teams or they're chasing their own individual pursuits are going to get absolutely hammered in the in the public realm but that that's quite possible so that's the first thing that worries me. I would absolutely like to see um, these folks get in spots um, and again I don't want to get too political but I would l- I would like to see the government enter dialogue publicly just explaining why it can't be. And I know there are a lot of hard luck stories out there. But whether it be on a point system or whether it be on some sort of qualification system where they can take these things into account, whether they can, ex- I mean, open up other NYQ facilities, even if they are quite humble and the same for sports people where you go there, you still have to pay. Something has to be created. Um... And I know people will say, look, the All Blacks, they're a guaranteed MIQ spot. I think they come back on November 23 or whenever it is. Just bear in mind, um, I think it is important everyone bears in mind, when you go overseas and when you cover them overseas, you do realise just they are not just the All Blacks, a bunch of blokes chasing a rugby ball. It's actually a massive marketing machine for New Zealand. It's a huge search engine for New Zealand. So people become aware of New Zealand And if they do things right, then they create a very positive vibe which has multiple spin-offs. So that's that part of it. In regards to the individuals, I would like to see them getting a chance to come home. And it's just not even the more high-profile people. I mean, uh, I see recently one of the reporters of the company I work for, I think, spoke to Courtney Duncan, the motocross rider. And she says she's on a work visa overseas and she doesn't know when she's going to come back. The same for Hayden Wilde, who... You know, he won a bronze medal at Tokyo in the triathlon. Those sort of folks there, we do need to appreciate them. We need to find a solution, um, and it comes onto our politicians. And I, again, I don't like getting too deep into that. But yes, why why can't we find a solution to help these guys out? And that's something that perhaps goes back to sportsmen, to Grant Robertson or whatever. Um, as long as it doesn't become a situation then when you get a lot of people having a massive pile on to these people as well, because I do not that's another thing I don't want to see. But, yeah, I'd like to see a solution, um, because these people are New Zealanders, and they are ambassadors in their own way, and let's find a way to help them out.
3: Richard Nola, thank you very much for those considered thoughts. I'm right in the camp with you and with Sam Ackerman. I think they need to do something about it and do it very quickly. OK, we're all sporting people. We write about sport. Um, And we might be a tad biased, but they do a lot for us overseas. And that cannot be forgotten. It's 10.43 here on SENZ.
2: Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Yeah, some interesting texts have come in this morning on a variety of subjects. Uh, The guzzler for All Blacks captain. The guzzler, of course, that's a Brody Retallick. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the big man leads us out on, on Sunday in Townsville. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Razor's problem, uh, according to Pete, is that he wants to go straight to the top, which isn't the model at the moment. Presumably, Plumtree is the next cab off the rank. Well, that's an interesting thought. I not know about that. Uh, unless we really self-destruct and they can have a clean out, will that ever change that policy of of doing an apprenticeship under the coach and just moving up to the next line? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but it's an interesting thought. Thanks for that, Pete. Uh, Javo, this is the idiot that continues to uh, invade the grounds during this uh, test series between England and India. He's making a living off it with social media media stunts and people chipping in to pay his fines, etc. On the uh, issue of an MIQ facility, uh, one to says Sport New Zealand need to build their own facility. Um, And I think that's probably a very worthwhile thing. It might sound like a big project. I'm not sure that it is that big a project. Um, but certainly, uh, if, if life isn't in New Zealand is going to continue that way, we cannot discourage our athletes going overseas uh, on the basis that they can't get home. Um, and if you're Mr. and Mrs. Watt uh, over there in America, you'll be very proud of your sons. J.J. Watt uh, plays for the Arizona Cardinals. He's on $32.5 million a year, uh, $32.5 million over five years. And the youngest son, T.J. Watt, he's just been signed for $112 million U.S. for four years. And his job? To sack the quarterback. To sack the quarterback. Goodness me. 112 for four years just to sack the quarterback. And most of those guys haven't haven't got legs. They can't run anyway. They're just an arm. Hmm, interesting. We'll be back very shortly uh, as we talk to Louis Herman Watt and uh, we'll go to the TAB, of course.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The
1: NZ Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
3: Well, excitement and frustration on uh, both sides of the Tasman this weekend, racing-wise, Louis, because uh, Incentivise lines up at Flemington. I think it's a genuine Caulfield Cup prospect. And you've been waiting for on Trivier, and uh, finally you get on Trivier. And meanwhile at home, the Auckland jockeys sit, wait, miss
1: out on money, and get increasingly frust- frustrated. And fatter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, continued, the, the wasting is not good, you know. Like, Opie and Leith, two jockeys, they have to work hard for it to maintain their weight in particular. Um, yeah, tough times. Incentivised to win a Caulfield Cup is play, paying around about the $7 mark right now. Okay, so let's, let's work this one out. $7 to win the Caulfield Cup, which will be a weaker Caulfield Cup this year with almost no international uh, imports coming down. In the Melbourne Cup, which is that's the first uh, Tuesday is November, it is a $12 favourite, which is very short this far out. Okay, now if you think about tomorrow, which is a resuming run for this horse that we all think is super ability, right? It's a mile, it's over a mile, which is far shorter of its best. It opened at $7.50, so further odds than what you're getting right now in futures to win the Caulfield Cup. Right now, on, on markets, you're getting about $3.80, and there hasn't been a single scratching in this race, Smithy. Really. The cash from... Baz's rupee from your NZD, from uh, everybody's USD, has just been flooding for incentivise. People are crazy for it. Mm.
3: Mm. I like it. I really do like it. Um, you could have got it at 21s, actually, not that long ago to win the Caulfield Cup. Wow. Uh, some lucky guys got it at, at that too. And I can tell you right here and now, I've been waiting for on trivia. I know how good this, uh, this, uh, this horse is. Danielle Johnson said uh, last year her favourite... Ride, her favourite ride was on Trivia. Uh, now, what are we thinking tomorrow?
1: Wins, wins, she wins. She's a, a super horse. She's fresh up. Uh, she's about $2.30, 40 I think, at the New Zealand TAB. Uh, It's tough, but it's not that tough. It's a Phillies and mares race that she should be better than. She's got the grousest jockey, she's the fastest horse, J-Mac from a great gate, Barrier 6. Hey, and, uh, Smithy, by the way, if if Zuzarella wins the Guineas, this morning we spoke to Brad Taylor. He thinks she's favourite now, should be. If Zuzarella wins the Guineas, I don't want you buying a single drink on your 65th birthday. Someone in your family should be putting up a big bar tab.
3: Like your thinking. I like your thinking, Louis. Well, um... Put that around the Christmas dinner table. Uh, Paul Mowadi from the TAB joins us this morning. Uh, US Open, of course, and a big round of what racing over the weekend.
0: Yeah, that's right, Smitty. And I see in your multi, you're sticking with uh, Maria Sakari uh, to win her semi final. I thought I'd just mention the opening odds of the four uh, women semi finalists in the US Open. Uh, Sabalenka opened up at eleven dollars, now into a dollar eighty three to win the US Open. Uh, Maria Sakari was $41 at the beginning of the tournament, now into $3.30. Emma Radakanu, $67 uh, at the start of the tournament, now $4.33. And the one that they've come for, the Canadian, Layla Fernandez, was $176 to win the US Open uh, before the off, now into $6.50. We're carrying a a uh, wee bit of a liability on the Canadian, so we're sort of cheering for any of the other three at the moment, but I know that you're very, very keen on Sakari. She is now $3.30 for when the US Open. Of course, we've got a uh, bonus back promotion tonight on the first two races from the Addington Harness, uh, and then we've got a super 4x4 four four, uh, bonus back uh, tomorrow. Uh, just head to the, the TAB website and go to the punters' lounge for all the T. Tea- tea-
2: this is Mornings with Ian Smith.
3: 11.03 here on SENZ. It's time to talk the US Tennis Open because uh, the women's semifinals are about to get underway uh, and uh, an interesting match between uh, Emma Raducanu and uh, Maria Sakari Uh, both of who are really making a statement at this tournament. Uh, Dave Worsley joins us. uh, No one better in New Zealand to talk about uh, the tennis that's going on at the moment. $57.5 million, US dollars, up for grabs over the whole tournament. And the good news uh, for the losing semi-finalists, uh, Dave, is that they they walk away with $675,000 in their pocket. And for the young girls, that would mean quite a lot.
11: Well, it would uh, when it comes to the bank balance, but in the end, the money doesn't really mean that much because from now on, these players are going to get in every single tournament they want. Uh, going from being a qualifier for Raducanu or uh, Leila Fernandez, you know, a young player as well, you know, they've got lower rankings. They haven't earned that much in the past. This will certainly help. But it's funny that these players don't actually count the money that much because it's you know you're going to get looked after when you keep on going through the semi-finals of Grand Slams and you know you're going to end up with a whole heap of money, if you keep on counting it, well, then perhaps your focus is on the wrong
3: thing. Dave, uh, let's look at these 2 matchups in then, uh, particularly. Uh, it's Women's Day. Uh, so we've, uh, we've got uh, the, the, this young girl from Britain who's making a real statement and has become one of the, the fan favourites, the crowd favourites, uh, Emma Raducanu uh, and, uh, and Mara, Maria Sarkari who has looked so damn strong throughout. Uh, how do you see that one going? Oh, that's that's a tough one to predict because Sakari is so fit. You look at
11: her and you you just think, my goodness, that woman is toned fit. She looks as though she could go for hours and hours and even longer. You know, she's done uh, some amazing uh, tennis this uh, past week. Uh, she did make the semi-finals of uh, the French Open earlier in the year, so people know who she is. She's a top 20 player, but it's just that this has uh, really come through. The court surface appears to really suit her. Her win over Pliskova was, was a good, solid win, four and four. What she did was she stayed steady and got every single ball back to annoy Pliskova. She's one of those players who bashes and crashes, so there was good steadiness there. As for who's going to win this one? I, for, I I would probably put my uh, my five dollars in coins that's in my wallet on Sakari to win this one. I just think uh, Radhakarnu has been playing very well. We were down. Sometimes the pressure of being young is great. It takes you to a certain uh, a certain level, but then that pressure really comes in, and perhaps semi-final time may tell on her a little bit more than the more experienced Sakari.
3: Arena Sabalenka is the lowest, or the highest ranked player, but lowest in terms of seeds, um, uh, number two seed. Uh, Leila Fernandez, this uh, this little girl from Canada, um, who's been uh, just so special throughout this tournament, left-hander, uh, very strong, but very diminutive. Um, how do you see that going? Yeah, that's a different one. Again, I I'm, I'm,
11: probably look to the more favourite when it comes to the seedings, uh, Sabalenka. If she can get her run going, like as in, if she can get her timing going, she's going to have so much power. She's one of the most powerful players on the circuit. Uh, she hasn't really done that well in Grand Slams as well as she should, but she does have a huge amount of power. And if she can start coming forward to the ball, then she'll do some damage against Fernandez, who actually plays really great angles. So you look at it that way. You've got the the joy and the excitement from uh, Fernandez and using the angles. That's her strength. Whereas you look at Sabalenka, if it can be in her hitting zone. She's very much like a Serena Williams. it's in that zone, then she'll blast you off the court. So it's a tough one to predict as well. Both matches are uh, kind of similar in a sense. Uh, two teenagers. In fact, if the two teenagers make it through the final, that will be the first time since 99 when Serena Williams beat another teenager, Martina Hengis, in the final. That will be the first time that we've had two teens in the final in the women's draw at the US Open. So that could happen. However, I think... I think I'm going for the more slightly more experienced players in Sabalenka to take on Sakari, which would be disappointing for most fans, I think, because they really
3: want the teams to do well. Uh, So Sabalenka, I'll just correct myself, Sabalenka and Fernandez. that is about to start. They're just doing their pre-match interviews in the the locker rooms or the tunnels, etc., as they head out onto the court uh, at Flushing Meadow. Right, over the weekend, um, Novak Djokovic and... uh, Alexander Zverev uh, go head to head as well as uh, Felix Auger uh, Elisima. and he's up against Daniel Medvedev. My pronunciation, I apologise for, but the quality of the tennis I'm looking forward to. Uh, Dave uh, Djokovic, the hottest of favourites, and of course he's got uh, the Grand Slam at his mercy. Should he go well?
11: Yeah, that's right. I mean Djokovic against Zverev, though this is a good this is a good matchup. Zverev beat Djokovic at the Olympics. He's beaten them one other time, more about quite a few years ago. I think Zedov has the game to beat Djokovic. Of course, Djokovic has dropped a number of sets so far in this uh, tournament. You know, He beat um, Beratini uh, yesterday, but he dropped the first set and then beat him comprehensively in the second uh, against Brooksby, the previous match, which is a bit of a surprise. You'd think that as the number one seed, sure, you've got faith that you're going to win, but you'd think that you'd actually want to just wrap it up quickly, not muck around. And drop the first set and give these other players a hint. But he's been so strong coming back. I actually think Zedev's got the opportunity. If he comes out blasting, that's the only way you're going to beat Djokovic, by the way, is actually attack him. I think Zedev could actually win that match. Uh, the other one, Daniel Medvedev against uh, Felix Agur Alassimi. Yeah, you've got to pronounce the Daniel and uh, Agur Alassimi. Uh, that's going to be a really exciting match. I'm looking forward to that. The chess player and Medvedev hits everything off balance against the um, just the energy around the court of a good me, that should be really great.
3: If Djokovic was to win this, is he the greatest? Does the debate start again? Is he the greatest of all time? Are we getting to that point in his career, Dave?
11: <laughs> <clears throat> we've, we've had that debate for a while, haven't we? with these three players, with uh, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, all on 20 Grand Slam titles. I think what you could say is that Djokovic is probably, in my mind, the, the best. However, Federer is probably the greatest, and Nadal is a great. Is Ooh, that some of
3: Interesting. Up? I, yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, I, I really so do like it. we're not really it, insulting uh, any of them. Yeah, no, we're not you're really not. insulting no, any
11: of them, saying that once. Yeah. But yeah, you can see it. The, the, the best player is Djokovic because he's won the most titles and he is the best. Certainly, at the moment, and uh, it would take a long time for someone to beat that. The, the greatest is probably, in my mind, Federer, and the another great is Nadal because of what he's done as well.
3: Okay, interesting, Dave. Um, you know, I look, I look forward to the tennis over the weekend. Um, I, I look forward to, I look forward to the Aussie Open, uh, even though this one's not over, because of course that's the first uh, of the calendar year. I love it. It's in a great time zone for us as well. But it also will tell us, I think, the future of, uh, of Federer uh, and Nadal in particular. I think if they're to come back, it'll be sooner rather than later. So I think that'll be a defining point in those two great careers, as you say. Well, and the other
11: thing is that Djokovic has dominated the Australian Open over the last number of years. I'm trying to think how many times he's won. Six, seven, eight. Uh, it, it's his slam as such. You know, that's the one where he, he feels that he can win the most. It will also see whether some of these other players can come through in the men's, whether it's Medvedev, whether it's uh, Zedev, uh, Sitsapash, you name it, some of these other guys can they actually come through and start winning these slams. And it will also be fun in the women's to see, oh, we've had such a variety of women winning slams over the past uh, couple of years. I think there's been a different one every single time there has. So, you know, will someone come through and actually start winning? Will these youngsters that we're watching now actually come through and win more than one slam, or will they be sort of, Know, take a while to mature before they actually take on and uh, win the big titles
3: Actually you're an interesting person to talk to about this because correct me if I'm wrong you would be there you would be there at Flushing Meadow at the moment and COVID I guess would. is keeping you at home and then, and then uh, here you are as a commentator um, as a media person uh, with this uh, I guess this threat of not being able to get home either so you, you kind of fall into that category don't you? Yeah, there's uh, myself and uh, my
11: good friend Graham Agar is over in Australia. He's in Adelaide. He can't even get to his other home in Florida. Uh, You know, it's sort of one of these weird things that there's some European journalists in particular who have made it across to the US Open. Uh, They've said, yeah, if you'd like to come, we'll give you a special media pass. At the moment, you're on the foreign uh, media, uh, remote media. It's a weird one. You want to go, but also you understand that getting back into whether it's uh, New Zealand or Australia is... Is very difficult. Uh, yeah, I've been vaxxed. That's uh, fine. New York looks good. I'm just watching pictures of uh, that's where I'd stand up there and look back to Manhattan right now. Um, you know, you're looking and think, gee, I'd normally be there. I was there in 2019. No media were there last year. You kind of want to go, but then you also realize where life is at at the moment. And obviously, um, you know, mm. uh, McCollum, Bass McCollum's over in uh, the Middle East. You know, um, mm. there's people moving around the world, but gee, do you really want to take that MIQ place? Do you really think you can get it? And it's just one of those things, face up to the realities of where we're at at the moment.
3: Yeah, OK, Dave, I'm sure you're missing it, but uh, you'll be on your couch watching it uh, beginning in uh, around about five minutes' time as the semi-finals unfold. Thanks very much for your input again. As always, enjoy the no weekend. Worries, okay, mate, cheers, cheers. Uh, Dave Wesley there, folks. Uh, if you need to know about tennis, you just ring Dave Wesley. Uh, John, on uh, another subject, uh, women's sport though of course, Uh, gee, they went close last night, the White Ferns down to um, the second last ball of the match, they almost defended it, in fact I thought they were going to, I was watching it ball by ball towards then, Uh, they got a couple of really crucial wickets at just the right time, um, but England got away with it, they've won the series, but I I will say, having been pretty critical of the White Ferns record, uh, at least they're showing signs, are they showing signs? Yeah, I think they are Smithy. I think this is an encouraging
2: series. It is another series defeat, but at least they took it to a decider and to the penultimate ball. Um, it was unfortunate. I uh, thought Amy Seth bowled that last over and bowled it pretty well until a couple of waist-high full tosses near the end. Uh, England needed seven mm. off the last over and just got it wrong a couple of times when it really mattered, which seems to be kind of the Achilles' heel for the white ferns when the Going gets tough and the screws get tighter. They just can't seem to find the winning moment. But uh, very encouraging. And I think uh, they were able to get Tammy Beaumont out early, which is crucial uh, if you're going to beat England. So on to the one day is Nick Smithy. And that's the big World Cup, isn't it, next year? Hopefully uh, touch wood and cross your fingers and all the rest. But Sophie Devine played well. I think she got player of the series Which is good, and they're showing some innovation uh, with what they do. So, uh, definitely a step in the right direction. We were critical, um, but I think they want that. They're a high performance team. They want to be doing well, and we'll applaud them when they do, and we will criticise them when they don't do
3: well. So, uh, I'd say a pass mark for the series, Smithy. Okay, a pass mark, even though they lost it. Fair enough. Uh, You're an easier taskmaster than I am. Although it's England, it's against England. Uh, Yeah, over there in their conditions. Taunton it was actually last night. Uh, 11.15 here on SENZ uh, when we return. uh, It is the voice really for me of uh, Harness Racing, certainly on this station, on SENZ, Michael Guerin.
12: ...to the track at Methven today. I haven't got this officially yet, but my sources tend to be pretty good. They come from the club. They are telling me that Methven will be unsuitable for racing on Sunday, and they believe they may have to transfer the meeting, Smithy, to... Ashburton or Addington. They would prefer to go to Ashburton. Now, a couple of key factors there. First of all, Methven's grass. So people may be doing grass track form. Ashburton is not grass. Secondly, now this is another unusual one, on the big grass tracks, you can have a, a limit to the field size of 18 horses. You can't have that many starting at Ashburton or Addington. So there may be, and I'm not sure about this because I've never, ever seen this before, there may be forced scratchings. Some horses who are in the field may not be allowed to start because the tracks aren't big enough to accommodate that size of field. So very much a fluid situation. More information available on that on hrnz.co.nz, hrnz.co.nz over the next day. But that decision should be made official inside the next couple of hours.
3: Okay, so let's um, let's look at uh, those grass track specialists there uh, that would obviously be disadvantaged. So that would be a change in the whole market as well or the possibility in the market. Is there, you know, is, are we looking at here, let's go from, you know, I look at um, thoroughbred racing, I look at soft track, heavy track, firm track situation. Are we talking about as big a difference in harness racing? It's
12: not as big, but some horses just like the grass. They have soft hooves or they just like it for the fact they don't like the hard track or the grit coming back in their face. Horses who love grass tracks love grass tracks. Um, my biggest rule for grass tracks is I try to back light drivers. Note to yourselves, if you think about you know, when your days of training for footy back in the old days and you, you had to carry a bloke over a 50-metre sprint, well, no one wants to carry a big, a big heavy fella. So it's a lot harder for the bigger drivers on the grass tracks, particularly when it gets wet. That's the key rule. All the stats on grass tracks are available underneath the horses and the form guide. So it's pretty easy stuff to study into if you like to. And it's one of the key factors. But that won't be a factor for this Sunday. And of course the markets weren't open. So the good news is nobody could have bet yet and therefore have to have that bet refunded. Um, so the markets won't open till tomorrow afternoon. That brings us some the to Addington. Mm-hmm. Tonight we're Last week, I think you boys back to winner last week with your, your mm-hmm. punt. I think it was a Thursday when we spoke last week. You're back to Cambridge, it was was too. Well, well done, fellas. And have you had a go tonight?
3: Yeah, pay me hundy, does that sound right? Race four, horse two? Oh, sorry, slip the hundy. Um, uh, race race no, four, horse two. Got some bad news for you Smithy. Your horse has been scratched, brother. What? Oh, your has, horse it? has been Oh, scratched. we'll have to find another one, mate. We'll have to find another we'll one. Find another Maybe one. you could text... But Text John Day for uh, a bit later on and tell us uh, if you've got another one because our Women's Refuge pot has got some money in it, so we need... They don't scratch them very often. There must be something wrong there. So, uh, anyway, uh, you can let us know about that. Uh, Addington tonight. Uh, I also wanted to, to bring you um, this. David Butcher, 2,500 drives. So now he's fourth, um, currently he's fourth on the list. He was anyway behind Hurley, McKendry, May, Legends of the Game. David Butcher, 2,500, yeah. significant.
12: Yeah, great driver. He's always been a great driver. Um, he He's very good at saving horses for one last run, is Butcher. He's a very cool, calm, collected sort of customer. He doesn't get flustered very easily. He's had a couple of, of pretty severe injuries in his career, one they thought might end his career. I think he actually tore his pectoral muscle away from the chest. Um could easily have been in the 3,000 winning club by now. He's obviously the father of both Zach Butcher and Ben Butcher, who are outstanding Group 1 drivers in their own right. And his father, the late John Butcher, was a great horseman. So it's a real family dynasty, and probably the biggest and best known of the Waikato Harness Racing dynasty. So, look, hell of a driver, win 2,500 last night. He's a stubborn bugger, Butch. I wouldn't be surprised if he thought about hanging around for the next five, six, seven, eight years to try and get to 3,000, because he really deserves to be there. He's driven some great horses. Um, the best of them, of course, was Al Sue. Al Sue won the Auckland Cup twice and in the minions in 2005, so he got his 2,500 domestic victory last night. Tonight at Addington, we see a lot of the same horses, Smitty, who turned up who turned up last week, and in the major pacing race, that's uh, that's the seventh on the card, goes just before 8 o'clock, 7.59. Classy Brigade gets the best barrier draw and is the one to beat again, but he didn't totally dominate them last week. So there's a chance for DiCaprio, chance for Henry Hubert, and AG's White Sox, who goes back to the unruly, was super last week. One of the first four last week will win, probably Classy Brigade, but uh he's no certainty the other big race for the night produced the shock of the week last week the open class trot sunday sun started at $1. eighteen, went back at the start because everybody inside it was going to be going forward you could see that on the television just wasn't fit enough to come around sit parked and win real shock for punters happened in the first race of the season horses are always most vulnerable in the first race of the season hill atone tonight it's only $1. fifty. But if you're looking to add 50% interest to your money for the woman's refuge, he, he's the one who will win tonight. Race 6, 7.34, standing start, 2,600 metres. He'll be a fitter horse tonight. He'll be too good for them, but no real value there. So Sunday son, to atone tonight, the major pacing race to look very similar to last week, Smithy. A lot will depend on where they land after they've gone 100 metres in that standing start. So really good racing tonight. Methman to change on Sunday and then hopefully, Smithy, we have a change of alert levels because once we go from four to three in Auckland, mm. Alexandra Park can hopefully race next week.
3: Well, we look forward to that, Mark. We look forward to your uh, respective shows over the weekend as well, both Saturday and Sunday uh, when you're with Louie and then with with, uh, Greg, of course. So a busy weekend for you. Thanks very much again, as always, for your input, folks. If you want any knowledge about uh, the harness racing industry, any updates on those sorts of things, uh, simply go to uh, hrnz.co.nz, hrnz.co.nz, and you'll get uh, the relative information. So that was news to us, uh, hot off the press (laughs) that uh, methven will be transferred to another venue for this Sunday. Rightio then, it's 11.29 here on SENZ. You might want some punting money for the weekend. We're about to give you the opportunity to win 50 bucks worth of vouchers from the TAB. And uh, it's stump smithy time. Uh, uh, Please, please uh, light up the lines. Look forward to the contest here. Last chance of the week. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stamped
9: by Smithy.
3: Ian Smith really is top
5: class at his job.
2: Smithy, I'm gutted that our horse is scratched tonight. Slip the hundy. Mm. I looked this morning, it was the second favourite, I was feeling good about it, had some good form, and Mick Guerin, as he will, every Friday um, will give us some oil, and it wasn't the oil I wanted to hear, Smithy.
3: No, we'll have to look into that, John, and... uh... Uh, I'll do some uh, research in the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes, so before uh, 12 o'clock, we'll come up with that, our replacement horse, OK? Excellent. I look forward
2: to that, Smithy, and it is your chance to win. Of course, every day at 11.30, you can uh, get stumped by Smithy, or hopefully not, and win 50 bucks from the TAB. And Alan from Good G'day, Alan. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. How are you doing? Smithy's Hello. well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm good.
3: Good.
2: Smithy's I'm good. Excellent,
3: mate. I'm, I'm Absolutely ready for you mate Don't you worry about that So bring your best form That's all I can say Bring your, bring your very best
2: form Oh he's in a mood Alan Look out Alright um, Three sports You get to choose one And then I'll give you three questions You get them all right You win that 50 bucks from the TAB But get one wrong And you can get stumped Your sports today are Rugby union Cricket And tennis Oh blimey um,
13: We'll go tennis Seems I'm sure Smithy's really good at the other two.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> what would you normally go for? What's your strongest suit? Um, rugby league. <laughs> oh right, unlucky. Who you got in the in the NRL finals? By the way.
6: Um, well, I, I think
13: Manly can do it tonight, but um, yeah, that's my, that, that's me, Ruffy, for the
2: for the final. Yeah, it makes me nervous as a Manly fan. Too many people tipping Manly while (laughs) Smithy's a Storm fan. He's just sitting there nice and comfortable, actually. The Storm have won eight of their last ten against Manly. Anyway, it's your time to shine. Let's go. (laughs) Tennis. It's on at the moment, actually. Sabalenka, four games to two against Fernandes in the first women's semi-final. But your question, Alan, is Rafael Nadal is rightly called the king of clay Of his 20 Grand Slam titles, how many has he won at the French Open?
6: Oh, bloody hell.
0: 12? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
2: Not correct, Alan. So a chance for a stumping, Smithy?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go 11.
2: That's what I'm going to go. No, uh, no,
13: you went oh one God. under,
2: Smithy. you should have gone one over. He's won 13 <laughs> French Open titles out of his 20 grand slams. Man, that is dominant. All right, Alan, you're still alive. Question okay. number two. Which women's tennis player has won the most Wimbledon titles?
3: Um,
6: we'll go... Um, Stiffy grass
0: Feet everywhere Body nowhere And uh, the rest of them on the way back
2: to the pavilion <laughs> Smithy another chance here The grass courts of Wimbledon well, uh, A lot of
3: champions Well I'm, tossed up, I'm tossing up here um, And I'm going back in time a wee bit I'm tossing up between Margaret Court And Martina Navratilova So I'm going to go I'm going to go For uh, Margaret Court what? No,
2: Smithy, no. Margaret Court, I think, did her damage at the Australian Open mainly. It was Martina Navratilova. She won nine singles titles at uh, Wimbledon. Unlucky, mate, 50-50. the hard one's coming. <laughs> <laughs> You're still alive, Alan. I like this. It's a good thing about this game. You can get none right and you can still win. So final question. Get it right and you will win. Who featured in last year's US Open final uh, in the women's draw? Who featured in last year's US Open final in the women's draw?
6: Um, oh, Serena Williams and no, I don't... <laughs> and um...
13: no, no, I, I, I don't know.
0: One of the worst things I have ever seen
2: done on a cricket fair. I just like hearing Richie Beno. Uh, No, that is not correct. (laughs) Serena Williams and someone else is not correct, Smithy. So, last year's uh, US Open final, I'm always bad at remembering uh, recent events, so
3: it's a tough one. Might be hard enough. I'm going to go I'm going to go Andreescu from Canada as one of them, and then I'm going to throw in against her Pliskova. Pliskova and Andreescu in last year's final. No. Surely
2: not. No, Smithy, no, I do love those names and they're beautiful to say and a couple of good tennis players but Naomi Osaka and Victoria Azarenka were in the final of last year's US Open, so 0 for 3 Alan, but you do get 50 bucks from the TAB into your account. Bloody good stuff.
3: Thank you very much. Well done, Smithy, you're a a legend. (laughs) No, enjoy it, Alan. Thanks very much for listening and enjoy it over the weekend. I hope you turn it into plenty. I hope you're 50 because comes uh, 500 that would be great 11:37 uh, here on SENZ uh, to those other guys that, that phoned in and uh, ladies as well of course um, make sure you're listening at around about the same time about 11 30 on Monday morning and you'll have another opportunity to start the uh, start the week courtesy of 50 bucks from the TAB 11:38 here on SENZ John you've got something to add I absolutely do,
2: Smithy. I don't feel like we've talked about the All Blacks enough. Uh, today we've got a team naming okay. this afternoon. I'm just wondering who out there, who do you want in your 15 today? And if Artie Sevier and Cody Taylor are out, do you go Brody? Do you go Bowden for your captain? Do you bring in TJ and make him your captain? I just, I, I liked hearing from Alan then from Whakatane, so I'd like to hear from
3: some more people, Smithy. If you can call and text, I reckon that'd be nice. 0800-1508-11. Um, if you won't call in for me, maybe you can call in for John Day. He seems to be getting a, a burgeoning profile on this, on this show. i um, not too happy about it, so we'll take a couple of days off over the weekend so he can just sit back in his seat again. Uh, so, yeah, 0800-1508-11 if you want to call in. You can text us on uh, any, any changes that you, you might make. Um, and uh, get him in quick because we're moving towards midday, and Staffy will cross to him shortly, too. Uh, to find out what's uh, on the show this afternoon here on SDNZ. Um,
2: and that's Javo. If you're not there, Javo will be there. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, about Javo and security. Is there some security guard that comes with a big reputation that you've run into back in your day who'd sought out Javo pretty well?
3: Yeah, well, what they did in Australia, this is way back in uh, 1980, 81, uh, they used to have a guy who controlled the whole security setup over there and his name was Sarge. Uh, and there's a big bloke, a big Aussie cop, and of course he was a sergeant, uh, and his job was to monitor ground security. So he would sit in uh, either of the team's dressing rooms or viewing areas and look out the window. He generally would sit um, in the fielding team's dressing room, because of course they were out there and there's more room in that dressing room, and he doesn't want to disturb the batsmen who are waiting to go in. So he would swap over from Australia's room to New Zealand's room. So every now and then uh, in New- he would come and sit in New Zealand's room, and he was worth a check, because... Like most uh, big Australian cops, he's got plenty of stories to talk about. So we asked him about how he could control that whole ground sitting in our dressing room. He said, it's quite simple. I sit here with uh, a microphone, uh, not a microphone, a walkie-talkie, and a set of binoculars. And what I do is uh, basically communicate with, I know exactly where all my offices are or where they should be, which bay they're in. We obviously have more for Bay 13, which is a trouble area. Um, we expect trouble there throughout the day, so we put more policemen there. Or we monitor exactly around uh, the ground where they should be. We obviously don't have security in the members' area as to the same level because they're prim and proper and they behave themselves. So basically that's how it works. I sit here, if I see any disturbance, and the crowd will tell me, I monitor and I, sh- I point my relative policemen in, and we don't have a lot of trouble. And the other thing, is, of course, is what happens. We don't have a lot of ground invasions here uh, because we uh, have a very... Big fine. So back in those days, it was something like five thousand dollars. Man, that's forty years ago. Five grand was uh, enough of a deterrent to stop. That's people a house deposit back then. Needless- needlessly, you never saw them run on. And he said, the other thing we do is we have a really nice punishment for them at the time. I said, well, what's that? He said, well, uh, what we do is uh, we, if they jump on the field, of course we'll arrest them. We will throw them over there. And we throw them in the back of a of the thing which we call over here the divvy van. Over here we call it the paddy wagon or just the, uh, <clears throat> the police wagon. And um, we'll, we'll throw them in the back of the divvy van. And the, the crowd gets stuck into them because as they're leaving the ground, the crowd starts chanting, you're going home in the back of a divvy van, you're going home <laughs> in the back of a divvy van. So they, they know exactly what's happening. So, uh, But what they do with the divvy van is they, they make sure they park one in a very, very hot area of the ground uh, and in an alleyway there, and uh, where the sun is really beaming down on it, and they cook them. They basically cook these guys, they leave them there wow. in this hot van and cook them. Uh, and he said, we don't, we don't generally have too many repeat offends, can I just tell you about that? <laughs> and that was a charge. And that's, that's the way that they were dealing with them in the MCG at that time.
2: Fascinating. Well, it's interesting, Smithy, uh, cooking them in the back of the paddy wagon in the hot sun in Melbourne. I was there a couple of years ago at the MCG, and it does get bloody hot. And Geordie Barrett was also there a couple of years ago, got kicked out of the uh, ground for sculling half a beer, if you remember that. Uh, Got kicked out of the MCG for sculling half a beer. But do you think he'll be in the All Blacks team uh, when it gets named this afternoon? He got that red card, he got exonerated, didn't get much game time. Would you go Geordie
3: at 15? He's probably the only person in history to be kicked out of the MCG and kicked off off the stadium in Perth. I think uh, no one else would ever be able to achieve that. I mean, the Barrett's have done some wonderful things over the years, John, but I think that absolutely takes the cake, and it's just come to me. Geordie Barrett removed by the police from the MCG and then uh, a year or so later taken off off the stadium one for drinking a beer and one for kicking someone on the head. I mean, what the heck? What the heck? Stand behaviour at sports games. Oh. So 11.49, we'll have, we'll have Steffi very shortly. It's the voice of sport in New Zealand.
2: Right, Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. He is the voice of sport in New Zealand, but at the moment his uh, microphone isn't working. So I'm going to bring this horse home uh, the end of a magnificent week uh, here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, it is six minutes away from midday. We've just had a text from Ken as well actually saying, Hi Smithy, I'd like to see Hoskins to tutu. At number eight, and Bowden Barrett, the captain. This is assuming if Artie Sevilla's ruled out with an HIA. Hoskins has got the X Factor, and he needs the game time. He's the second coming of Zinzan Brook. Holy moly, Ken. I'm guessing you're from Auckland, and Mark Stafford, I don't need to guess where you're from, mate. I know you're from too. You've got the top on. Footy shirt Friday. I've got the Crusaders top on. (laughs) Greatest turbo to play for the Crusaders? greatest turbo to play for the
13: crusaders Hayden Bidwell Curtis yeah well, he's the most recent <coughs> Michael uh, Michael Alator yeah, yeah yeah couple of good ones there couple of buttes there they normally try we try, try and keep them home um, but we've exported a lot uh, i guess Aaron Cruden Aaron Smith are the two that immediately spring to mind uh, Lee Stensnes Sam Doyle if you want to get Lee yeah well <laughs> yeah. oh, okay play for varsity down there And shipped up to Auckland, um, because when was Division 2 and Division 1. Christian Cullen,
2: of course. Heard of him. (laughs) Heard of him? Yeah.
13: Yeah, best ever. My Uh, best ever.
2: What are you expecting from the All Blacks team today? Are you expecting those two guys to be ruled out with HIAs? uh, Artie Salvia and Cody Taylor? I tell you what, they're crazy if they name them. Because if they
13: cop another knock to the Swede in this game, they will come under severe scrutiny. And... What if they got Uh, another four games in the rugby championship and then they head north? It's not worth it, mate. Um, I'd be – I'd be – a, surprised, and B, disappointed if they named them. Um, even if you feel good and all that sort of stuff, nah, I, I can't
2: see those two being named. We don't want you surprised and disappointed, Steph. No. Don't mind surprised if it's good, but disappointed, no thanks. Um, so who have you got then at number eight? Uh, Ken's gone for Hoskins-Satutu, but he's an interesting one because he's been in the All Black squad this year but released back to provincial rugby, so he doesn't really seem to be in favour, Hoskins-Satutu, even though he was so good last year, I thought, so... Who's in front of him, do you think, to go and play at number eight? Jeepers. It's
13: just a matter of who they've got up there. And so many play six and eight as well, don't yep. they? Yep. All over. It, it does shape as the type of game for Hoskins Satutu um, because you don't want his first game to be against South Africa. Yeah. Um, and I think play him, if he goes well, park him, and then have him as an impact player against the South Africans. That's, that's the way I think they might go As Hoskins at number eight. He's dynamic at best. And... You know, we've seen so many times they put them back to provincial rugby and then they bring them back and see how they react. And are they hungry? Have they got that little extra battery power? And I just get the feeling Hoskins Satutu is that type of guy. They'll say, away you go. Go and work on your stuff. We'll bring you back. Now show us what you've got. So it's all on him. Yep. And um, I'd love to see him get the opportunity because dynamic. He's incredibly dynamic.
2: Absolutely. And we're on to captain number five, I think, potentially. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bowdoin or Brody or someone else. Um well A I don't get why
13: we're so get so pent up about who's gonna be captain. Um I just think it's just it's a topic you can talk about, but at the end of the day it's just fifteen blokes out there, it's it's who takes the coin toss and who decides whether we kick a goal or not. I think Bowden's the natural the natural fit for me. Um so many test matches, cool head, um Dane Coles. Um, is, is he even there yet? No, nah, he's got his calf strain still sitting at home. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, well, it's got to be Bodie for me then. I'll tell you one, and it might be left field, and I don't know if you've had much discussion about this. I really, really, really hope they stick with Brad Weber to start. I really hope they do. And I'd love to see him with the captain's band on too. Um, you know, last year he was the third halfback or a couple of years ago, and he's probably second now, but I reckon he would respond. Um, I think he'd be a wonderful captain, but... Give him captaincy over
2: Bowden Barrett, probably not. Yep, Smithy did mention him as a potential captain, so you guys are on the same page. I wish you could be on the same show together at the moment, <laughs> but his microphone's not working. So, Steffi, what do you got coming up on your show,
13: mate? Coming up today, um, first guest, uh, Greg Alexander, and we pour through the the four games. Actually, I, uh, I'm going to ask him about Redcliffe, and I'm going to ask him about the NRL. W situation and what he sees and what what, what he's seen from it. Uh, Katie Brown, uh, my equivalent over in Australia. We cross live into each other's show. Looking forward to catching up with her. One of my favourite and one of the listeners' favourites is Annabelle Langbein, the celebrity chef, uh, recipe, cookbook author. She's on. Give us something nice to cook over the weekend. Jeremy Paul returns after pulling out last week because his daughter broke her arm. Brett Phillips US
2: Open and lots of games September sports songs minute to win it what happens next it's full awesome awesome and I must admit Annabelle Langbein taught me the trick of taking out your stalk of your avocado when they're green and they ripen way faster so I have been listening staff and we will be all afternoon 12 till 4 thank you to Ian Smith a great host thank you to Trudy for the news thanks to Brian and thanks to John Day there we Six go 6 out of 10
7: <laughs> have a good one everyone